Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Morgan Studios when you want to adjust your loan options in real time, folks. Remember... Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio, 855-2124-CBS. You know the number, damn it. 855-2124-227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. 40 minutes away, Christopher Price joins us. Boston Globe, work or shoot in less than 20 minutes, which I explained to some fine gentleman on, on email earlier this week, the premise of work or shoot and how work or shoot goes because work or shoot is basically true or false, except it's false or true because in wrestling parlance, a work is is something that's done for the crowd, and a shoot is something that's actually happened. But I don't want to call it true or false, even though I could just call it true or false, because true or false doesn't have any zeal. True or false doesn't have any zing. It doesn't have any sizzle. But work or shoot, hey, now you got something there. I probably don't, but either way, we're going to do it at 12.40 p.m. Eastern. And I can describe every team's draft in one word. I'm going to do it 1 p.m. Eastern. Matthew Essex is going to help me out with it. Matthew, tell America hello. Hello. Matthew, it's wonderful to hear from you. He is he is recovering from his fall up the stairs that he had yesterday, which uh, I'm glad he's doing well. Where is your apartment located? What part of New York? I'm over in Williamsburg. You're in Williamsburg, Brooklyn? Yep. Oh, yeah. my goodness gracious. Look at you. You know, got to got to try to pretend to be fancy and stuff <laughs> is it is it as hipster as it used to be williamsburg brooklyn oh 100 percent. really yeah it's still kind what? of the hipster capital how old are you now i'm 27 oh man so much fun look at you matthew okay you gotta watch i saw the netflix documentary series the staircase it'll scare the hell out of you after you fell up the stairs oh what is this Matthew, you're going to realize just how fragile life is. There's a man, they, they're convinced, the state was convinced that he had killed his wife. He said she had a couple of drinks and she fell down the steps. She fell down like three steps. 
I don't remember the documentary very, very well. It, it was a couple of years ago, but it is intriguing. You haven't gone down the true crime documentary rabbit hole on Netflix yet, Matthew? Oh, I absolutely have. I just haven't seen that one. That was, I mean, I guess here's the problem. I have gone down the rabbit hole. I haven't okay. gone that deep down the rabbit hole yet, I don't oh, think. Oh, brother. There's a couple that are good. There's a, oh, there's Actually, most of them are actually really good. There's a couple that aren't that good, and they just keep like, like they insist upon themselves. And you're like, hey, you guys could have done this in 58 minutes, but you guys decided to drag this into four parts, not really thrilled about it. But most of them are really good, including the staircase. You're going to like the staircase. I'll have to check it out. Because it, it will scare you. Like now, if I go up the steps, I'm like, oh, gosh, if I like trip on like one step, I go, that could have done it. That could have been it. Life's precious, man. Life is very fragile. You will find out by watching The Staircase on Netflix. Unpaid testimonial. I can't sit here and continue to be a hypocrite. Folks, I've been lying to you for a long time. And I think I mentioned this a little bit during the season. It's hard for me to deny truth because I have had a great deal of fun at Steelers fans' expense, I have had a great deal of fun making fun of the Steelers, saying that they're doing exactly what they're not known to do. They're not moving on. They're waiting for this heavy, out of shape, basically Ken Carmen and Pads quarterback to go and, and take them back to the Super Bowl. That's not a realistic destination. There's two teams in their own division that's better than them. They still have weapons there. They have Mason Rudolph there, which I heard from Mark Cabola yesterday that, what, they're going to start Matt Mason Rudolph then possibly? The plans are to start him in 2022, that this is the last season for Ben Roethlisberger. You know, you do this, it's, it's not like what it is for bands. When bands have goodbye tours, you, be, you become nostalgic about it, and you go to one of the concerts. And yeah, you know, they can't sing it the way they used to. I saw Motley Crue, and I like seeing Motley Crue, but I know that Motley Crue in 2007 when I saw them was not Motley Crue in 1983, or 1987. I know it wasn't that. Vince Neal's put on a considerable amount of weight He's trying to run up and down the stage. It's a shame because Mick Mars, he actually has serious health problems, and he's just standing there, and he can still play the hell out of it. And Tommy Lee, for anything you think about Tommy Lee, the guy can play the hell out of the drums, and it was a hell of a show. And because of my memory, even though I was a small child then, I still like Motley Crue. I don't give a damn what any of you say. I still like glam metal and hair metal, and I still like that Motley Crue show. But I knew that Vince Neal, I was not seeing the best, best Vince Neal, but I saw him only one time. I saw him only once. So I was able to deal with it. Blossom Music Center. We're at Crew Fest. Saw some great bands before. Buck Cherry sucked. Papa Roach was actually good live. I was shocked. You got the Motley Crew. I got to live in the moment for just a moment and, and go back to the way it was riding around with my Aunt Cheryl and her boyfriend Greg in the back of their car while they left me in the driveway and went inside of Jackson High School and partied and chopped up their coke while I played with the micro machines out of my grandparents' driveway. The, you know, good times. And I only got to see him once. If I would have seen... Vince Neal, 17 times, I'd have hated him. I'd have hated Vince. I'd have tell, told him to lose some weight, get your act together, and go out there and sing because everybody else is kicking ass and taking names. Still rocking after all these years. And look at you. 
a bucket of lard on a bad day, in the words of Don Rickles. You're embarrassing yourself. Cover up that greasy boiler. Why don't you stand there and get your breath for a second instead of making us sing? I paid to watch you sing. I watched. I paid to watch you run around and sing Kickstart My Heart. Not me sing it. I've already sang it to myself a million times. But I only saw Vince Neal once, so I enjoyed myself. It was a great show. If I'd have seen him 17 times, I'd have been upset. You're going to watch Ben Roethlisberger maybe 17 times. I think Steelers fans are going to be upset. I'm not trying to be nasty towards the Steelers and nasty towards Steelers fans. I actually have had, as weird as this is to admit, a very nice relationship with a lot of Steelers fans. There are definitely some who hate my guts, and that's okay. But I've had a very nice relationship with them. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of the same. You know, it's Midwest. I think that's actually Mid-Atlantic State, Pittsburgh, but Western Pennsylvania. I have family in Youngstown. It's it, there's there's good people. They're just they're Steelers fans. It's different. And I've had a lot of fun over this last year, bagging on the Steelers, making fun of the Steelers because they've had a lot of fun at my expense as a Browns fan for a long period of time. But there is something here where I, I'm more disappointed. It's not just where the Browns are getting better and and they beat up on the Steelers. It's that the Steelers aren't doing what I've come to know of the Steelers, and it, it upsets me. The Steelers move on from contracts and move on from players. Troy Polamalu doesn't like the Steelers. At the end of it with Terry Bradshaw, and I know I've said this before, Terry Bradshaw didn't like the Steelers because they wanted to move on from him. And I always thought that the Steelers learned from their mistakes as a family of football since 1933. The Roonies had learned from their mistakes. They wanted to go defense. They went Gabe Rivera in 1983 instead of going with Dan Marino. Now, they didn't see some tragedy happening to Gabe Rivera. Obviously, none of us did. But if they would have went with Dan Marino, you would have went right through the 80s into the 90s, and Dan Marino probably would have not just one Super Bowl, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four by the time it was all done with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe John Elway doesn't get to a Super Bowl. Jim Kelly, are there four in a row? Maybe not. Don Shula's great. The, the, the Dolphins were great. You had Mark Malone. You had Bubby Brister. Things did not go the way you wanted it to go over that time. And I always thought the Steelers learned that lesson, and they were willing to move on. Instead of dragging this corpse around, this, this bloat that used to be Ben Roethlisberger, on a, a retirement tour? On a final ride, a last ride, a, a, what, is he going to go to every stadium and he's going to get a plaque? Browns aren't going to do that. Hey, you won a whole bunch of games in our stadium. You made me hate your guts. Here you go. No, that's not how that's going to work. It's the NFL. And I'm I'm more disappointed in the Steelers for doing this. To let their situation come to this, I've, I've expected more out of Pittsburgh. And saying that, I feel like a great big fat hypocrite because I have put my blinders on towards Aaron Rodgers. And I have said, well, you got to do what's right by Aaron Rodgers. You have to maximize this moment. And and I could try to rationalize it. I can try to justify it and say to you in every way, well, these are, these are different situations, but they're the same. No, 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 no. 
The Packers are doing what the Steelers should have done. The Packers are doing, or they should do, the Packers should do, because it's not it's not done yet. The Packers are doing what the Steelers should have done because they know that they have to guard against injury in a long age. Let's not let, and we always use this term, myself included, Tom Brady, we always use his name, let's not let him become the rule. Let's let Tom Brady become the, the exception. Tom Brady believes you can stretch out bones. Tom Brady has a guy named Alex Guerrero who he spends millions of dollars with over the last how many years of his career for him to believe that he can stretch out bones. You ever looked at the TB12 book? I have. It's crazy. It's what a lunatic does. But Tom Brady is at 43 years old, looks better, more youthful, more athletic than he did when he came out of the draft. What you need to learn, though, when you look at the TB12 method Tom Brady's kind of the only guy who can figure it out and do it. It's an obsession. You have to be obsessed to a crazy level. There's got to be genes in there. There has to be people in there that help you with that. There's got to be some sort of just other level that other guys can't get to. And as good as Aaron Rodgers has been, he's still been beat up more. I can't guarantee that. I think that Aaron Rodgers can continue the next three to four years as a good quarterback, as a, as a top-end quarterback. I really do. I can't guarantee that. Before Peyton Manning hit the skids in his final year with Denver, still won the Super Bowl, carried by that, but still before he hit the skids and his quads failed him and his shoulder failed him and his forearm failed him and his neck was failing him again, we thought that he was coming back from the neck injury and things were going to be fine. Drew Brees... There was still hope. We were holding out. There were definitely people calling in on Drew Brees. Drew Brees looked old, looked rickety at the end. This happens quickly with these guys. And so while I'm disappointed because Green Bay didn't give Aaron Rodgers what I think they should have given Aaron Rodgers, how can I sit there and defend that when I've spent a considerable amount of time railing against what the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't done, which is find a succession plan, a true one, behind Ben Roethlisberger. You can give me Mason Rudolph. I think Mason Rudolph is able to to fill the void of, of knowing what a quarterback is supposed to do. He, follow, he listens and follows directions. He did give them a chance in Week 17 with backups to beat the Cleveland Browns, a, a game that the, the Browns sorely needed they, to live. They needed that game. It was a win-or-go-home situation, or win-or-stay-home-in-that-situation situation for them. But I don't think that you're going to find a lot of Steelers fans or anybody out there to think that Mason Rudolph is the future. I don't know if Jordan Love is, but there's still something there. So I can't, in good faith, continue to rip the Pittsburgh Steelers, but in turn around and then go and 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 extol the virtues of Aaron Rodgers. I can't do it. I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest with myself. It's been very hypocritical over the last year. The Green Bay Packers, whether I like it or not, whether I'm comfortable with it or not, are doing what the Pittsburgh Steelers should have done and what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done with other positions. It may work out in their favor. Maybe Jordan Love does become the next Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and they have 30-plus years of great quarterback play, or it blows up in their face. But they've made their decision. They did it last year. When you take a guy in the first round, you make a statement no matter what you try to say, no matter how much you try to bury it, you are making a statement to your fan base, to the rest of the NFL, to your team, to your staff of what you're doing in the future, 
a quarterback, you can't put him out there and have him play another position. You can't take a linebacker and have him play opposite of your all-pro guy. You can't do that like you can do in other positions. A quarterback either plays or a quarterback doesn't. And when you take one in the first round, you've made a statement, no matter what type of statement you're trying not to make. For the betterment of the Green Bay Packers, for the betterment of everything, you need to move on. This will get in your way of winning a Super Bowl. This is the albatross hanging around your team's neck. You had your chance. You had your one year to get this to work out. It didn't. And you could blame Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers should have ran against Tampa. Wouldn't have scored a touchdown, but might have been close enough to not kick a field goal. Maybe it was LaFleur's fault too. But you had your chance. It blew up. This isn't Eric Stokes' fault. This isn't isn't Thursday night's draft pick's fault. This got set in line a year ago. And for what Green Bay's doing, Pittsburgh should have done. Because you'll go into a draft next year, and you'll probably be okay. Brad Roethlisberger will probably start off the season okay. He'll be healthy again. He will have worked out. He didn't take a hit for nine months. He'll be okay. He'll be fine. But as the season goes on, will Ben go back to old Ben? Will Ben start taking the offense over again? Will he actually use Najee Harris? who, by the way, is seems like not just a good football player, but a hell of a human being. I saw that story. That is incredible what Najee Harris has done. Good person. Are you actually going to use that player, though? Or is it going to be, we took this guy in the first round. Ben's not using, using again. The rumors are starting. He's not believing in Matt Canada. He's going to take over the offense. Now he's just taking it over, and he's going to throw the ball all over the place. Because you started out with the best of intentions last year, and then you ended up in a spot where you got your clock cleaned by a team you called Little Brother for 20 years. 855-2124-CBS. 12.40 p.m. Eastern. Christopher Price, Boston Globe. Up next, Worker Shoot. Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Draft is rolling on. Tennessee making their pick at 109 here in the fourth round. Draft's supposed to go another few hours as they're in round four, getting ready for all the rounds to all the way to 259. So he's still got a lot more picks to go. Talk a little bit about the draft and certainly where the Patriots are on it. Christopher Price is going to join us, Boston Globe, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern. I'm going to give one word to describe every draft, every team that made a draft pick in the first round. Every team's draft. How about that? So we'll go right through. Matthew, you're going to have to put the Saints at the end. They didn't have a first-round draft pick, okay? All right. So we're going to have to throw the Saints in there. 855-2124-CBS. I think we're ready. It's time for Worker Shoot. Now, I've explained the rules before. I did it at high noon. I can do it again if you want me to, but I really don't want to spend a lot of time. But either way, I'll say that Worker Shoot is basically true or false, except it would be false or true because a work is something that's done for the crowd and a shoot is something that's done personally. Shoot is real. Work is false. But if I were to call it true or false or false or true, you wouldn't care about it. I don't even know if you care about it now. And I like wrestling and I like to have fun and I like to be intriguing. So you know what? How about this? We call it work or Shoot, Matthew Essig, the proctor of Worker Shoot this week. Matthew, take it away. All right. So, first up, the NFL draft is on its final day. However, one of the main talking points of this year's draft were that there were only two guaranteed plug-and-play players. Worker Shoot, the 2021 NFL draft will have more busts than previous years. (sighs) Starting out hard. Whoa. Let's go shoot. What a great – I, I want America to know. I was worried because some guys, when they fill in, 
when they fill in for Connor, they don't know which which clips to play. Matthew got it. Great job by Matthew Essig. I want to kiss his ass live on air because that's fantastic. I'm so happy. I'm going to say shoot, and I think there's going to be a reason behind it. I think there's going to be – there, and we. I think we've already seen it. There's been guys who were drafted just because they had something on tape in 2020. So if they only had something on tape in 2020, and I don't think it's punitive. You know, some people, they got their – they got their takes off about how the NFL is going after – NFL teams are going after guys who who were concerned about their safety and concerned about their family safety. While there might be a couple of NFL general managers or front office people who may feel that way, I can't just stick my head in the sand and lie to myself here. I think that they need to understand that it's not punitive to some. They just got to go with what they know. And because it's a human business – it, we're not talking about manufacturing here. Guys are going to be in different positions in different places as time goes on. So a guy who starts out really hot can cool off. A guy who starts out very, very poorly can be developed. And I don't. I just don't think that they have enough information on the guys that they think they have where they can make a confident pick on these things. So I think there's going to be one, and we saw this already, teams moving up to pick guys that they know. That means they're giving up picks. They might punt to 2022. And two, there's going to be guys that are just flyers, like, starting today. So because of that, it's a great question by Matthew at the beginning. I have to say that's a shoot. Technically, there would be more busts. I think there's uh, there's got to be a 30 for 30 coming about this draft in five years. I think it's the most intriguing draft ever. That we At least the, the, maybe not since, like, 83 or even before the first one. I think we have as little information as we've had in, in previous years, obviously. And I think that with the NFL, they're always a year behind us. Like, we had our pandemic year with each other last year. You know, the, the, the running out of, of toiletries, the running out of certain styles of food, all that stuff. The NFL, with free agency, you saw it. Big markets on things that were essential, pass rushers, those type of people, linebackers, eh, we're going more towards defensive backs. Defensive backs made money. Those guys made money. So guys who were good in coverage made money. Offensive linemen made money. The essentials got their cash. Everybody else, yeah, that's a that's a luxury. I don't know if we can spend on that. I think it's the same way in the draft. Next. One of the biggest stories from the draft was the Chicago Bears trading up with the New York Giants to pick up Justin Fields. Work or shoot, going to Chicago with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton is going to be a great fit for Fields because it gives him time to learn the program. I think this is a shoot. John Breach convinced me of it. I was nervous. Now, you're going to say, can you just love Justin Fields? You won't stop with the field stuff. No, no. They've been over 500. They've been a playoff team. Matt Nagy gets a lot of flack, and I've been one of the people giving him flack. Yes, absolutely. But they found ways to win. And so whatever quarterback he's had, he's gotten as probably as much as he could out of that quarterback. Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton knows the score now. He knows where he's at now. I don't think that this is a Mike Glennon situation. Andy Dalton started over 100 games in the NFL. He's a thoroughly seasoned vet. Mike Glennon, he got worked. Speaking of the segment, he got worked into a shoot at that time. I don't think it's going to be that spot. I think this is a good spot for them. I think Justin Fields is probably still going to be your week one starter. Uh, I think Ryan Pace is going to want that to happen. Matt Nagy will probably realize that's about to happen. And I want to see what Matt Nagy can do because I keep hearing, well, Justin Fields, he can't 
break down a defense. He can't break down his own offense. Okay, well, we know he's a hell of a special, uh, a, a, a specimen. So go coach him up. Go get him to do it. Go do it. Go be a coach. So I think this one's going to work out. I hope it works out. Next. The sixth inning of the Phillies-St. Louis Cards game Wednesday may go down as one of the most violent sequences of back-to-back pitches with two players getting hit and injured. Mm. Work or shoot. Was Genesis Cabrera's outing Wednesday the worst pitching we will see this year? Oh. Well, can I count position players? <laughs> sure. Well, Freddie Freeman got struck out, so I can't really say that. You know what? I'm going to say shoot. Say shoot. Yeah, I think it's going to be the worst we see. Weather, I think I think you always see it at the beginning of the season because the weather's bad. I think it's a shock to the system for some guys. It was a little bit cool. Should have been, yeah, because you're going to – I got to always think about the weather patterns. It was a little bit cool. You're going to see that. And, and then guys got upset, and uh, they were yelling at each other. There, I think it's the worst you're going to see. Depends. I mean, if you're talking about guys getting shelled, you're, you'll see other guys get shelled, but the wildness of it, yeah, I think you're going to get that. That That is a shoot. Next. The next, the Nets super team they created this year has been one of the major talking points of the NBA all year. Ah. With the regular season coming to a close, Brooklyn is in first place in the East with one of the highest scoring offenses of all time. However, many analysts and fans are saying that there are issues with the team going all the way. Work or shoot. The fact that the Nets have yet to have all their biggest players healthy and playing at the same time will hurt their team cohesion in the playoffs. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm confused. Can you say that again? Yeah. So the, I thought the, you were going to take it to a different place. I'm sorry. Go ahead. The question is, will the Nets be able to pull it together in the playoffs, seeing as they haven't really been able to play as a full unit yet this year? Uh, work. No, shoot. Damn it. I'm saying shoot. I want to believe Milwaukee. I want to believe in others. But when you get by the t- by the time you get to the finals, I know that the Lakers have played with each other before. And I know folks want to give it to Utah and to Phoenix because they won the play they got in the playoffs for the first time in a long time. I think it's a shoot. Can they win the finals? I don't think they will this year. I think it's a still a possibility. I think they need to for Kevin Durant, say, because I think that he would sleep a lot better and stop arguing with 14-year-olds on Twitter if he did. But I think that they can still get to the finals playing the way they are and, and working with each other. But it's still going to be an argument of not just cohesion, but but their health. And, and Kyrie has health problems. Kevin Durant has health problems. Harden has had a couple of bumps and bruises here and there. There's going to be questions. And it could be the super team, if this continues, I, I can see a narrative starting next year where the super team that never was. Because if LeBron comes back, I, I have this faith in LeBron that he'll be fine for the postseason. I don't know if I have that type of faith in other ones. I bet LeBron took a good long time getting back and, and making sure things were okay, and now he's going to have that second win. And LeBron with a second win is still impossible to go against. So I have to go with the Lakers again, which is probably bad for the NBA. But I still think if you get to the finals, that counts. And so I say that's a shoot. And that is work or shoot, right? You did a hell of a job, Matthew. Thank you. A hell of a job. You got all the clips right. You asked good questions. 
I thought you were going to ask me something about the super teams and is this ruined this for the NBA because we had a whole big thing on it a couple weeks ago. So I got caught up thinking about something else. I'm a dummy. Matthew, I'm sorry. I'll be better in the future. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, I can explain each team's draft in one word. Up next, Christopher Price, Boston Globe. Is this the beginning of a new dynasty for Bill Belichick or is this his Waterloo? This is the Ken Carmen Show. I have half the names, or I should say half the words, half the phrases for how I can describe each team's draft in, in one word. I'd say one word or less, but that's how it's done. I can't do it out of a syllable. I at least have to put one word in there. We'll do that at 1, and then we'll do the rest at 1.40 p.m. Eastern. Also, Roger Goodell's chair should just be called a throne. And I'm going to explain why coming up here at about 1.20 p.m. Eastern. 855-2124-CBS. Brand new quarterback, Mac Jones. And I agree with what some of the jokes were. I mentioned this earlier in the show. Yes, he did look like a high school principal walking to break up a fight when he was going out on the stage in Cleveland. To talk about him and whether or not he saves Belichick or if this becomes his Waterloo, we welcome in Christopher Price, Boston Globe, one of my favorites. Everybody knows I love Christopher. Find him on Twitter, at CPriceGlobe. Hello, Christopher Price. Hey, Kenny. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm a little... uh, I'm a little disappointed. I wanted Uh-oh. to, and this is why, I wanted to just be out here and be fire and brimstone all day today and go after the my media brethren and say, you guys all got worked into a shoot. You guys all got used. You're all patsies. I know you guys hedged about Mac Jones. You didn't believe Mac Jones in San Francisco. And San Francisco takes Trey Lance. And I was watching Mac Jones fall, and then Belichick saved him, Christopher. Belichick saved my media brethren because then they go, see, it's Belichick. You got Mac Jones and Tom Brady, and they have the same amount of letters, and away they'll go. See in Canton, Mac. See in Canton, Bill. I'm going, you bastards. You guys didn't even have, with the exception of Ryan Wilson, they didn't have the stones to sit out there and say Mac Mac Jones is absolutely going number, number three to San Francisco. They were all hedging. And so I'm upset, Christopher, I got to tell you. I hear you. I hear you, man. I, I do. And, and, and it's fascinating to see and hear the response here in, in New England to, to, to Mac Jones, because I, I think that there was some belief that, hey, you know what, if they're going to take a quarterback, they're going to move up a little bit. They're going to go after Justin Fields. They're going to go after, you know, Trey Lance, whatever the case may be. They're going to try and get up into the top ten. They're going to try and, you know, maybe seven or eight. They're not going to push their cards in the middle of the table and go after, you know, you know Trevor Lawrence or, you know, Zach Wilson or whatever the case may be. But, you know, the the thought was, hey, you know what, we're looking at another year. When, when Everything kind of turned on number three, to your point. And everything kind of – and when, when Trey Lance went, everyone kind of went, ooh, okay, well, maybe there's a possibility here. I think people were a little bit worried that they were going to trade back or they were going to take an offensive lineman or whatever. But this has got a lot of people here talking, man. It's, it's you know, after this and the free agency, the Patriots are now back on the front burner here again in New England. Yeah, it's 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 it brings some intrigue. It brings some uh, – it, it just brings the – I think it's not just about in New England. I think it's about the, nationally as well again. Like yeah. it, it was like Tom Brady got over on Bill – and I was the one. I was one of the ones saying, "Oh, Patriot way is really Tom Brady's way. He ain't special. It's just it's Tom Brady. This, that, and the other." And now he's got his chance. He's got his new quarterback. 
and there's a lot of things that Mac Jones does do well. And I did like what some people were saying because I, I didn't want to sit there and just bag on the guy because I like Justin Fields so much. Like, I did agree with a lot of folks. I think Marcus Spears might have said it too, Christopher, where, hey, you know what? Like, he's got the he's got the highest floor out of a lot of these guys. Like, he'll go out there, and it's Bill Belichick. He'll, Bill Belichick will do well with him, and he'll, he'll listen, follow directions, and he'll run that offense the way that he and Josh McDaniels want to run. Yeah, and, and that, that's, that's the – look, the best possible scenario here, and I'm reticent to compare any quarterback to Brady because Brady's off in his own galaxy, but one of the things we heard, I remember Brady covering the team in 2001 – and Brady just it just hammering it into Brady over and over again, take care of the football, make good decisions, don't be a hero, trust your offensive skill position players around you. That's what we're going to hear over and over again. Look, it's another thing that's going to you know, get through, but we're going to see Mac Jones when he starts. I don't think he's going to be the starter right out of the gate. I still think it's going to be Cam Newton, but I, I think that when Mac Jones starts, we're going to hear that more and more. We're going to hear those points again more and more. And you're going to hear people call him a game manager, like you heard people call Brady a game manager. Again, I'm not comparing them in any way at all here other than Belichick's desire for offensive execution. That's what you know. That's where the connection is. That's where you can draw the line between a, you know, a, a young Brady and a young Mac Jones. I felt like there was a seriousness to the situation and feeling the situation, watching the video of, of Belichick calling Mac Jones and him handing the phone off to Robert Kraft. Like, Robert Kraft always seems to be, like, the good guy, the good cop to the bad cop there. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you get what I'm saying there. Like, And, I, I like, Robert Kraft was not smiling. It's like, get your ass in here. we got to get this thing going again because we do not <laughs> like the Jets getting better, and we certainly don't like the Bills or Dolphins getting better. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, and, and I do. I, I think that you the, 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 there's a very real the, – there's, there's a lot of truth to what you say in terms of the good cop, bad cop dynamic there. So, um, yeah, look, they – Seven and nine here last year, man, it sucked. I'm not going to lie to you. For a lot of people, it was really weird. It, you know, we the first year, everyone was kind of bracing for what the first year of the post Tom Brady era would be like. Yeah. But I don't think that that anyone really anticipated that. Not just so much the Patriots going seven and nine and missing the playoffs, but seeing Tom Brady and the rest of the NFL parade kind of march march down Main Street right outside their window all the way to the Super Bowl. So I, I think that there is. I don't want to quite call it a sense of urgency, but I think people are ready to kind of get back to making plans for January and the divisional round again and, you know, starting to think about being a member of the NFL elite again. Because, again, man, last year last year was a weird year in a lot of ways. Christopher Price joining us, Boston Globe, at C. Price Globe. How do the free agents fit in to their plans with a Mac Jones and then before that maybe Cam Newton? I'll get to Cam in a second, but how do the free agents fit? Well, the, the the biggest question is going to be the tight ends, really. When you know, in in because they got nothing from the tight end position the last year. I mean, absolutely nothing. And I think that when you look at the fact that they signed two of them, they signed the two best you know tight ends in the market. That kind of mitigates the need to to add to your wide receiver depth a little bit. That was one of the things I was a little bit worried about. But when you look at the fact that you're going to run two tight ends a lot of the time. You know, you can afford to have, you know, maybe two good wide receivers in, in you know, you can you can look at guys. There's going to be a lot of different guys. Kendrick Bourne, you know, they got Aguilar. They, you know, Jacoby Myers come back after a really good year. So, you know, you can kind of mix and match there. And you always have James White, who's capable of, you know, 50, 60 catches out of the backfield. So you can kind of make it work offensively. So I guess ultimately answer your question, the biggest, you know, addition is going to be the tight ends. The other side of the ball, too, Matthew Judon. Everyone loves Matthew Judon, and, and I, I think he's going to be an absolute dynamite fit in this defense. So, look, it, it's going to be a really different team than the one that ended the year last year. 
Christopher Price from the Boston Globe at C Price Globe. Okay, so what's what's going through Cam Newton's mind? What's going to happen with Cam Newton this year? This is going to be great, man, because Cam is never. You know, I wrote about this the other day. Cam's never really been challenged. I mean, last year, yeah, kind of, but you knew after two or three days of training camp that it was his. It was his job. You know, Jared Stidham wasn't going to challenge him. So, mm-hmm. look, this is going to be. You know, he's got this dropped in his lap, and I think that still. I mean, if they're out in the practice field today. Cam is getting the majority of the reps. Cam is the de facto starter. Cam is going to be the number one guy. Bill said as much the other day, but look, man, if he doesn't get off to a good start, if if they don't, you know, come out of the gate on fire offensively, there's going to be a lot of talk that, hey, you know, it's time to play the kid. I think really the best possible scenario here for the Patriots, Cam bounces back. They have a good year. They go, let's say, 10 and 6. They get back to the playoffs. And then Cam goes back out on the free agent market. He signed a one-year deal. Cam goes back out on the free agent market with the quote-unquote mentor tacked to his resume, which is a really good ad, which is a really good line to have at this stage of his career. And, and so, look, you know, he's got to be able to work with Mac Jones because Jones is the future. And, you know, he's here on a one-year deal. And so it's going to be fun to watch it all shake out. But, again, I think the thing to watch is, look, if they start out, I don't know, one and three, two and two, and, and Cam's throwing an interception. There's going to be an awful lot of talk about a quarterback change. Of the three picks, every there are so many folks going, Mac Jones, typical. I thought Christian Barmore was more tip, typical, and let me tell you why. Yeah. I was getting warning texts, my co-host, because he was linked to the Browns. So my co-host started getting him, and then we were talking about it, and I had other people going, yeah, your co-host is right, man. Like, there's, there's definitely concern with this guy. And then they took him, and I go, this guy's going to end up like Jamie Collins. He's going to be great with the Patriots, and if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just – the, the, thing, the thing that stands out to me the most about that is they really haven't had an interior disruptive presence for an awful long time, or at least consistently. I know Akeem Hicks was here for a year, and he flashed really well, and he did really well. But, but really, as a rule, they – they prefer the edge rushers. They prefer the long, lean Willie McGinnis kind of types as opposed to the you know guys who are you know getting pressure up the middle. That's not to say they don't have them, but you know the, they don't have a lot of penetrating defensive tackles. And I think this guy has a chance to be special because he could be really different. Those tackles for loss, those sack numbers, those are really impressive. And he can if he can make those translate to the NFL level, even on a rotational basis as a rookie, I think the Patriots are going to have something there. Christopher Price joining us on the show. Why does Bill Belichick own so many homes on Nantucket? <laughs> it's awesome, Why? man. Have you ever have you ever been? No, I've never been to Nantucket. It's awesome. Nantucket's fantastic. And I'm not saying that as some sort of biased New Englander looking at the world through, you know, Cape Cod colored glasses, but it's fantastic. You get a chance, man, you and I you ever come out to New England, you and I will go hang out in Nantucket and we'll look for Bill. See, I've been oh well. I'm gonna go on a hunt for Bill Belichick for looking for is it seven how many rings now is the is the boat called? The boat, the boat, it's, it's, I think it's seven rings. I seven think seven rings. Yeah. Seven rings. I, yeah. Cause he, cause he throws his, he throws his, um, the, the, the giant's rings in there too. And I, yeah, I, I've lost track after a while, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing that people always look for, you know, but, oh yeah, I saw Belichick go, you know, riding his bike on Nantucket. But yes. It, Nantucket's fantastic, man. Is Nantucket and Cape Cod the same thing? It, no. Nantucket is part of, well, they, they call it technically out here. They call it the Cape and Islands. Okay. So I guess it's all kind of under the same umbrella, but it's it's yeah it's 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 a little ways offshore. So I guess you know they kind of it, it it depends on who you talk to. Really. Where's Martha's Vineyard? Martha's Vineyard is right next to Nantucket. 
He doesn't mess with Martha's, Martha's Vineyard. It's only Nantucket. No, no. They, you, know, we don't, you don't mess with Martha's Vineyard. Nantucket's great. The best time to go to Nantucket, man, seriously, is, is like after between Labor Day and like Columbus Day weekend and before, like between, let's, let's say, you know, May, before at least, at the very least before the 4th of July, before the crowds get there. Beautiful. There once was a coach from Nantucket. Christopher, <laughs> we thank you very much for the time, my friend. All the very best to you. We will talk to you again soon. I can promise that. Love it. Sounds good. Take care, Ken. Thank you. Christopher Price, Boston Globe. Find him on Twitter at CPriceGlobe. The, the uh, Patriots are on the clock. I think they just made their selection. Ramondre, Morse, or Ramondre Stevenson of Oklahoma, running back. I think, I think that's their pick. Just went to the New England Patriots there. So there you go. Get another running back there with Bill. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Is he, like he's got like eight houses on Nantucket now. Like when I first heard the news, it was six, and now it's growing. And I don't know if he's trying to be like a Mister Potter of Nantucket. Like if you have one house on Nantucket, that should be enough. Like how big of an area is Nantucket? Like wouldn't you want to branch out from that area? Like I live in Streetsboro, Ohio. I'm not gonna buy seven more homes in Streetsboro. If I wanted a vacation home, I'd buy one maybe on Kelly's Island or I'd buy one somewhere along Lake Erie, or maybe I'd be out of the area altogether, maybe down uh, on the Ohio River, something like that. I wouldn't just buy seven more homes in Streetsboro and go between homes. That always felt weird to me. I don't know why. Well, there's real estate speculation. He can make more money, but he's already a rich bastard. I don't know why he needs more money than that. But he's a competitive person. So maybe that's what Bill Belichick's dealing with. Yeah, Mac Jones, I think, will be okay. It's the one scenario where, yeah, I can see Cam Newton starting and being fine, and Josh McDaniels knows what he's doing, and certainly Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. Up next, the one word that describes your team's draft. It's Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.